Hello, everyone, and glad you could join us. I'm your co-host, Rose Schooler, here with my fellow traveler and friend, Dana Boss. This podcast, Lead Up, focuses on the intersection of leadership and management with real life. Managing a team and leading a group can be super lonely and really demanding at times, and we see you and we celebrate you. So come hang by the virtual water cooler with two very different perspectives on this topic. Mine, a 30-year career at Intel, ending as a corporate VP, and Dana with a long career in management and leadership development in many different industries. So welcome to Lead Up, and thank you for joining us. Okay, everybody. Hello again. So we've mentioned multiple times in different episodes this phrase, psychological safety. We've mentioned, Rose, also this concept of inclusion. And I think we got to talk about what those are because those in and of themselves are really vague terms that could mean a lot of things to a lot of different people. But they're so fundamental to enabling your team's top performance or your organization's ability to execute. To show my Bostonian side, it's also a wicked hot topic when it comes to diversity and equity and the actual word inclusion, often referred to as DEI. It, yeah, just a comment. I, I love the addition of the inclusion. Mm-hmm. Because for so long, I think we both lived in the in the times where it was just diversity. Yep, yep. And then it was diversity and equity. Yep. And now it's diversity and equity and inclusion, which I think are the three legs on the stool that create the psychologically safe environment, which optimizes the performance of your organization, as you said. Yeah. And if you want to see diversity and you can define diversity in many different ways, you're not going to get it in any sustainable way over time without inclusion and psychological safety. But I also want to be clear, this topic isn't just about diversity and equity. So in other words, what I'm saying is don't assume because you have a team of all the same race, same gender, same general age, that there's immediately inclusion and psychological safety on that team because that in no way means that there is. Um, So it's this is a topic, inclusion and psychological safety, that applies to any group, any organization, regardless of what the sort of demographics may be. Does that make sense? Yeah, it makes sense. But the, the thing that I would come back with on that a bit is that you are not going to get the best out of your diversity efforts or your equity efforts if you don't create that inclusion. Right. I've had situations where I've been the only woman in the room. Mm -hmm. And if I don't feel the safety of the ability to get my opinion on the table, my voice isn't heard. So I might as well not even be there. Right. And they're certainly not getting the potential value that you could contribute. Absolutely. Yeah. And for me, for instance, I had a team that was all white women. Everyone, though, in a different decade of life. So we had someone in their 60s, 50s, 40s, 30s, 20s. And again, it really doesn't matter what the team is made of. Every manager and leader needs to be actively thinking, like, how do I build a common bond in this group or this culture if it's a larger organization? So yeah. Amen. Rose, let's quickly define what these mean, because I've already mentioned that they're pretty vague terms in and of themselves. So when I say psychological safety, what does that mean to you? Oh, that's that's a great question. And for me, it's how do I 
create an environment where my team feels comfortable enough to bring their whole self to every conversation. And that whole self then puts their opinions, their insight, their knowledge on the table to the betterment of the topic and the betterment of the entire organization. Yeah. And so psychological safety in the research, which we'll refer to in a second, it simply means that your team members or you as a team member feel comfortable speaking up, asking questions, admitting when something doesn't make sense, or advocating for a different approach if you think the current one is not as good as it could be. It's basically a comfort being honest and candid about where you're at. And if you have a team that is displaying the behaviors that come with that, then you probably have a team that's experiencing psychological safety. Yeah, I love that. I love the specifics that you added, right? Because I answered in a somewhat theoretical manner and you're like, hey, I can speak up. I can disagree. I can provide my perspective and I don't sweat before I do it. Right. That's exactly it. That's exactly it. Even I can admit a mistake or I can admit that I don't understand something. And maybe my heart will be beating a little bit because nobody likes to admit a mistake. But what I'm not worried about is that I've stuck my neck out and it's now going to be cut off. It's not that it means it's a lack of debate, conflict, or discussion. It's actually reinforcing that behavior. It's enabling that. It's enabling that to happen because at the end of the day, the best result for a topic, a discussion, or an organization is when you can have that deep discussion, get all the issues on the table, have everyone feel like they are part of the process, and therefore, in most cases, not all, support the result or the decision. Inclusion is basically an outcome of psychological safety. Psychological safety isn't the only thing that's going to create inclusion, but it's one of the fundamentals. And it just, inclusion is that you do feel accepted for your whole self. Don't assume because your team is fairly uh, consistent in demographics, like all white or all women or all men. Don't assume that everyone automatically feels safe in, in expressing who they are. Yeah. It could just be that you're new. Right. Yeah. Just that. Yeah. You could just be new to the organization. And maybe I'm being a little too overly transparent, but I never in 33 years walked into a first meeting with a bunch of people I've never met before and felt immediately safe. Yeah, of course. It comes with a little time. You kind of survey the room a little bit, understand the role that you're going to play. But at the end of the day, it's super important. And, you know, and that's happened, you know, in boards that I've joined. Do they invite my input? Do they include me in the dinner conversation? Luckily, the answer across all my experiences post-Intel has been overwhelmingly yes. But you can imagine if you're just the new person coming into a new work environment, if there's not that intentionality of inclusion, are you going to be speaking out and providing your opinion? I don't think so. Rose, I love that example too, like being new to a group. And you also just brought some good examples of how you make those who are new to a group feel welcome. And it's not just to be nice. It's to set this tone of safety and inclusion so that that person can start contributing to their fullest. I think you've already brought this up, but I really want to hammer it home, which is that creating a psychologically safe environment and one that creates a feeling of inclusion is not an environment 
that lacks conflict. Right. There is disagreement. In fact, you might see more disagreement in a psychologically safe environment because people feel like it's okay for me to say, I'm not too sure about this and I know I won't get raked across the coals. I, I know it's safe to say that. So it's it sort of feels like not intuitive that on a team with high inclusion and psychological safety, you'll see more disagreement, but you will. And it's because people feel safe to do it. Now, what makes it safe? Disagreeing respectfully. respectfully. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Disagreeing constructively. Boy, we use that word a lot. <laughs> that respect word comes across this podcast a lot. You know, what's respectful from my point of view might be different from yours, but it's still this general feeling that the responses directed at you will not be personal attacks. And that will be based in sort of the facts of the situation and not the personalities of the situation and so on. Yeah, we used to say at Intel, attack the issue, not the person. Right, right. And having worked at Intel, I can say there were times when my team was not fulfilling that. Nobody gets it right every time. But at least make it clear that that's the goal. That's right. And acknowledge when you don't do it correctly. Yeah. So then, yeah. and then we loop back to our previous <laughs> right. episode, right? right? We loop back to, and when you don't show up as that respectful self, acknowledging it and resetting. I think we both have some ex- examples of impact when there has been low psychological safety. And Rose, I don't know if you want to share one of yours. So let me reach back in my volume of psychological safety examples. Uh, because again, it's it's difficult. You have to be intentional. So I was an observer where I was watching an executive trying to align, working to align, which was a great objective, his organization culturally and set the cultural expectations. And through that, he asked for some personal feedback in an audience of like a couple hundred people, which is... Oh, wow. Okay. Huge props for vulnerability, yeah, right? Yeah, huge yeah. props. So revert back to the last episode if you want to hear us talk about vulnerability. So as part of that, this brave soul stands up and says, hey, I have some feedback from our table because we, you know, the organization was working collectively to provide some feedback. And this person said, I'll, I'll represent that feedback and started to talk about psychological safety. And the input was people don't like to disappoint leaders. So please be intentional around creating a psychologically safe environment when content is coming in to this executive team. Really good feedback. And the response received was so dismissive that you could watch the energy in the room just go like, in an attempt to align culturally, Showing vulnerability, so good intent, good intent, Uh uh good feedback on the psychological safety. The response was so dismissive that the safety in the room was completely damaged. And all of the good intention was for not. Right. The good intention of asking for feedback, in fact, did more damage in how he received the feedback. Exactly, exactly. So I thought that was an interesting example of what low psychological safety can do to an organization. Those moments matter. I mean, if you're going to ask for feedback in front of 200 of your top leaders, be ready to handle it and not be dismissive, even if it's something you didn't want to hear. Yeah, because let's be honest. Feedback, we love the little quip that feedback is a gift. 
but it's hard and it's painful and it's made me cry. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> right. So uh-huh. you, if you ask for it, you got to be ready emotionally to take it. Yeah. And then taking it and demonstrating your openness to it actually would have improved the psychological safety in the room versus damage it. When you ask for feedback, you don't always have to immediately respond to it either. You know, you can just listen. The listening is what's going to actually create the environment of safety rather than what your response is. But truly, if it's something that's difficult for you to hear, just that's something I need to think about that I'll start talking about. Yeah. Yeah. And leave it at that. Because if you go down the road of dismissing it or I don't want to hear it or arguing with it, you've damaged damaged created a lot of mess to clean up that's right we were talking in preparation for this episode um there's a lot of research and evidence that supports this as a key management and leadership tenant mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah no question it, it, i want to be clear we're not just talking about this because we personally think it's important. I think we both do. But there is absolute research and evidence on this. And you could do a whole session on just the research and evidence because it's fascinating. I would say check out Amy Edmondson of Harvard Business School. She's the one who really pioneered the definition of this concept. I believe she came up with the term psychological safety. And it emerged out of this very interesting research that I would talk about, except it would take too long. But you can just go on YouTube. There's a bunch of clips of her talking about it, or obviously you can you can read about it. Also very interesting is Google did a long-term research project on what made a high-performing team. And again, you can Google this too. It was called Project Aristotle. Aristotle, yeah. yeah. I've, I've seen it, yeah. Yeah, and it, it determined after researching high-performing teams. And and like any good research, it had definitions, like it had criteria for what high-performing meant. You were high-performing if you met this type of criteria or standards. And they came up with five things that all high-performing teams had, and they put them in order. Guess what number one was? Yeah. Psychological safety. Psychological safety. Yeah. 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 And again, we could talk about this too for so long, but we won't. But I will highlight that in those five, top five things, it was not about who was on the team. So it was about the environment that team created for working together and a clear structure, clear roles, and a clear connection to like purpose and meaning. Right. So, right. so I think there's a lot of times that people can say, understandably, it's about who you've got on the team. Not necessarily. Of course, you want top talent on the team. And of course, you don't want toxic people on the team. But in general, if you have top talent, that's not going to guarantee strong performance. Um, so go check out Project Aristotle because it's just really good stuff. And Amy Edmondson, because I yeah, read please. some of her research and watched yeah. some stuff on YouTube and, and it's really an excellent reference. So my example is a really micro example. And it's one of the top situations. If I could get a do-over, I would want it. For what I do for a living, I can't believe I did this. I ran a talent development team at the time. And I'm not kidding you. One of my top star employees had been on the job for about a year. And I'm not kidding you. Like, just you'd want to clone this person and and have them on every team you've ever worked on. And she brought up with great courage in our one-on-one that she was getting a little bored on the job. And it had only been a year. I don't know what was freaking wrong with me. I did not hear that well. And I still just don't understand 
why, but I just know that at the time I was sort of like, oh my God, it's basically only been a year and you're already telling me you're over it. You know, like that was my emotional reaction and I did not manage it well. And I really snapped at her. I I just said like, well, something like kind of like what I just said. I sort of was like, I don't know what I can do about that. The job is the job and it's only been a year. And I was really just cranky about it. I wouldn't say I, I didn't yell at her or anything, but I just still was like, well, I don't know what you want me to say. And there were so many things I could have said, right? And so she felt, one, I was kind of being dismissive, probably a little short with her. And she also had the guts to say, like, I'm not trying to upset you. I just want you to know how I feel. Oh, how'd you respond after that? I was not graceful. I was not graceful at all. I was just sort of like, well, thanks. Thanks for telling me. And so here's the thing. She cut me some slack on that, but I'm lucky. I'm really lucky she cut me some slack because my reaction made the likelihood of her coming to me ever again to share anything about her job that was bothering her. It went way down and I set it up for her to just quit. She had the guts to come to me and say, I'd like some more stimulation on the job. I was sort of like, well, I don't know what to tell you. A job is the job. And that is encouraging people to basically the message was like, well, then go find another job then. Yeah, right. Because the one thing that's going to keep you passionate is commitment and excitement about your work every day. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I got it. She caught me some slack on it because we had a really solid relationship. I had let's just say, typically, I showed up quite well and gave her a lot of positive feedback, appreciation, recognition of her phenomenal performance. And and it's not like we never talked about it again. I mean, we recovered from that a little bit, but that is an example of where I really damaged the psychological safety between us. Did you ever talk about it again with her? We did recover. We did recover. But you know what? I just never said it. So I'm saying it now, like, Karen Chio, I'm really sorry I snapped at you when you said you were bored and you (laughs) I love it. And I'm going to tell her to listen to it. And and again, all, all of our listeners, I bet, have examples also. I don't think I apologized to her the way I just did now. We did get past it and, and talk about some new things she could do. But you've got to just reset when something like that happens. Because as I mentioned, it takes intentionality. And if you're not working regularly to ensure that there's psychological safety and trust, bad things can happen. So just to kind of tie this together a little bit and what we've covered, you're, as a manager and leader, your job is to get the best performance and results that you can out of the resources available to you. Uh, And a critical part of that is creating this psychological safety. So everyone gets their opinion on the table. You can have productive, respectful debate that gets you to better answers and better results. So, yeah. you know, put a little wrapper on that. Well, here's the good question, Dana. Okay. How the hell are you doing? I was just really lucky to go through a training about micro inequities. Oh, yeah. And <laughs> what I mean by that are these tiny little things that we can say or do that can create kind of an insider-outsider vibe. And it could be simply how you chum around with people on the teams and some you're really chummy with and some you aren't. Um, It can be that 
a few of you have a common interest. And so you're always talking about like, did you see the game or this or that? And no one else can participate in that discussion because they're, that's not their interest. They watch cricket. Yeah. And not college football. Yeah. And I also, I remember once being on a team where we had this one difficult project and me as the leader and this person as the sort of key implementer just had to work together a lot over the course of this particular year. We hit it off and really just built a strong friendship and really enjoyed working together, but also we're going through hell together as well. And what I became aware of was that I had to be really careful now with the rest of my team because I was just, it was so clear how intensely I was bonding with this one teammate that I just was starting to get the sense that the others were starting to feel like outsiders, you know, like that, that I had really like, this is who I think is this great performer. This is my buddy. And so I just had to recognize that and start to realize how am I acting around the group as a whole? Oh my gosh. Yeah. I have a very similar example. One point in my career, they thought that I had enough potential that I had an executive coach Barbara Corey, I love you to this day. Shout out to Barbara Corey, my my coach, who is still my very dear friend today. Part of that process is they do a bunch of interviews. Yeah. Well, let's be clear. They inter- they interview people who work with you. Work with you, for you, and you work for. Exactly. Up, sideways, and down. And they are basically asking, what do you think about Rose? Yeah. That, uh, yes. And what are her strengths and what are her weaknesses and what's going to allow her to succeed and what's going to be a barrier to success? And so you sit down with your coach and they start to share this feedback. And one of the very targeted points of feedback was, Rose, you've got an inner circle. Uh, And my response was, what do you think my response was? I don't know. I love everybody just the same. I love everyone equally. Which is bullshit. I mean, you know, so again, you ask for feedback, you get it. But what did I do? Back to what did I have to do about it? Just out of curiosity, Rose. Like, so you have an inner circle. What did they say that was, what impact was that creating? People weren't bringing their input to the table because they thought that I would only listen to the people that I were in, was in my inside circle. Okay. She only cares about input from Yeah, from three people. So back to what did I do about it? I, I had to intentionally sever public activities with some of my staff. Now, let me be completely clear. There were people that I was going on vacation with. I mean, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. they were friends of mine. And I had to say, if this happens, you know, no, we can't talk about it. We can't come back and go, oh my God, we had such a great weekend. Mm -hmm, (laughs) It mm -hmm. just, you can't do it. So that was one thing. Um, I had to be super intentional to pull out all the voices. And I know people say that all the time. And how do you actually do that? Yeah, so how did you do that? Yeah. You solicit feedback in a way that doesn't put people on the spot, mm-hmm. right? Because you don't want to go, okay, Dana, I see you haven't said anything. This right. Entire right. Staff oh, meeting. Oh Do you have God. an opinion? And number right. one, they're like, well, screw you for calling me out. Right. Me too. I don't have any input this time. Right. So you may say, Dana, Julie, John, any input from your perspective that hasn't been already discussed. And, uh, right. and, and a response of no, not at this point is completely okay. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So that, that's what I did. I just was super intentional around getting all the voices on the table 
Mm-hmm. And I also had to just be conscious of the environment that I was creating with my friendships. Yep. Yep. And you probably had to reset those friendships in terms of here's how we are at work. Yeah, that's exactly right. That's exactly right. One thing I've always been very proactive about as a teammate, but then definitely as a manager of a team is helping people create some connections so they just get to know each other as people. Right. Um, I think that is so key to creating this environment of inclusion and safety. And one activity I did, Rose, that was surprisingly powerful was I asked everybody to share like a pet peeve they have at work or just like something you wish people would know or do about you. Oh, interesting. And this one woman, and she was the coordinator on the team. So basically every program, so everybody's work went through her, you know, cause she was a coordinator, yeah. did a lot of scheduling and things like that. And she said, when I get in in the morning, if you guys could just give me a half hour to just drink my coffee I get settled. I feel that moment. Before you come hammer me with questions, it would be really great. And I mean, we absolutely had no idea how, like how much we were hassling her the moment she walked in the door. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And, And it was so easy to give her that half hour, right? But that would not have come up if I had not intentionally opened the door for that right. kind of conversation. So I think as a manager, you can do you can do that one-on-one, first of all. You know, I always found it powerful to do it as a team because it, it accomplishes a couple things. You get a little insight into what people, what's important to them personally, mm-hmm. and you're vulnerable in front of each other, which builds that foundation of trust. And I think we've all been through similar exercises where just understanding this is what makes this person tick. I had that kind of in the back of my mind as they're providing their input and, you know, I'm providing a response. I just kind of get a lens of where it's coming. No, it's great to do as a team. It's great to do. And by the way, my little item in that was, I just, I want you guys to know, like I'm a serial double checker and it doesn't mean that I don't trust you. Like that is just my way of like keeping my to-do list and check and just ensuring things are on track. I just do that. I stop by and I'm like, uh, everything good for that tomorrow or whatever. I don't want any of you to think that means I don't trust you. It's just kind of who I am. I'm a double yeah. check. And that, you know, providing space for that. And then the last thing I'll say is in, I highly recommend managers have regular one-on-ones with their staff. Oh, of course. Yeah. And in that, don't just make it a progress update. Every time, make it clear that you'd like to hear about obstacles or challenges they're facing. And is there any support? Yeah. And can I add a soft one to that? Yeah. Maybe start with, how are you? Uh, Yeah. Yeah. Totally. 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 Have some care and concern for, again, I've used this word twice now, their whole self. Yep. Because you may, they may not want to share what challenges they have out, which is fine. But you also may find that they're dealing with some stuff at home. Mm -hmm. You could find out all kinds of things. Yeah, that's influencing their participation in your meeting. And you want to give them space for that. 
So yeah, and some people take you up on it and some won't. And that's okay. It doesn't matter if, if someone doesn't particularly want to share about their personal life, that's okay. But okay. the fact that you're putting the invitation out there is what builds the safety and the trust and the relationship. That's right. That's right. Well, time to wrap up. Hot takes. Hot takes. Hot takes. Okay. I'll go first. Yes. Okay. So psychological safety, making it comfortable for people to provide input provide disagreement, bring their whole self into the conversation. Uh, What do you do when you enable that environment outside of have great debate for better results? By participating, you get people included. Psychological safety, inclusion. Mm -hmm. And with that, you can achieve commitment to the task, to the objective, to the strategy versus compliance. You want the commitment of your team. You don't want them doing what they're doing just because you told them to do it. And you want full-on buy-in. And that the only way you get that is with psychological safety. And I would just, I mean, you pretty much summed it up. I would just say that it takes regular effort. And I keep using this multi-syllable word, intentionality, uh, meaning it just takes regular intention this is not something that you build one day at an offsite and then you don't have to worry about it again. It's something that you're creating the environment every day, as are your teammates, by the way. It's not just the manager that affects psychological safety on a team. Um, so it's just that it's it's an everyday thing. It's not a one and done thing. It just takes conscious effort, but hopefully effort that can feel pretty natural once you kind of get used to it and get in the flow. So you not only have commitment to the task and the objective, uh-huh. you have commitment to the process of right. psychological safety. Right. And then we're basically talking about building a culture, right? That's right. So, so it like all just kind of co- flows together. And thank you, Miss Rose. Thank you, Dana. I love this conversation because I think the topic creates the foundation of great communication, great collaboration, and great results. Yes. And we'll see you next time, everybody. Thank you to Chris Burns, our sound engineer. And uh, we'll talk to you later. Bye. All right, that's it. Thank you for spending some of your precious time with us today. Odds are you don't have a lot of it. And we appreciate you listening in. And we'd love to hear from you. What are your questions or thoughts on the topic of management and leadership in real life? Send us an email. We will discuss your question or thought if you send it. And you can find our email on our podcast landing page. So until next time, cheers to all of you out there doing your best to deliver for your teams, your organizations, and yourselves.